Before we get started, you should probably know that the following podcast contains strong language and conversations of an adult nature. Also, it will almost certainly contain spoilers. Hello and welcome to episode 31 of Strong Language and Violent Scenes, the podcast giving a second chance to films that might not deserve them. As ever, I'm Mitch Bain, I'm a horror writer and an occasional doer of musical things. And I'm Andy Stewart and I'm another guy. <laughs> and joining us tonight via Skype. Yes. Uh, she is a podcaster, a writer and many other things. It's Zoe Rose Smith. Zoe, hi. Hi, thank you for having me on the show. Oh, not at all. Thanks for taking the time. You have gone for um, one hell of a pig tonight. <laughs> Yes, I thought um, let's go for something slightly controversial and quite out there because that's what I like to do. <laughs> yeah, that's very, that's very much uh, it's very much kind of like uh, where your taste is, isn't it? Yeah, I'm really into the extreme side of horror movies and anything that's slightly tongue in cheek or on the cusp. So this movie seemed very appropriate. Yeah, I think it's a good mixture of uh, kind of fitting the fitting the tone of the show and the kind of the kind of films that we go for and. Uh, kind of something that's very much a step kind of like like a very appropriate selection for you as well given the kind of things you write about yes exactly we've we've met in the middle on this one and i'm very much looking forward to speaking about it <laughs> i'm very much lo- looking forward to speaking about it as well and i would just like to say at this point um that if my mom is listening you're gonna want to fuck <laughs> off mom because uh, uh, i'm gonna say some dirty words i'm uh, just realizing that we haven't actually named it yet you've gone for uh mitchell lichtenstein's teeth Yes, of course. What else? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so beyond the kind of kind of the broad kind of overview that we gave it there, why specifically this film? I think this film because I I was actually writing a piece recently on kind of feminism films and and revenge films, you know, kind of rape revenge films. And actually, I I thought about Teeth, and it's a film I watched quite a quite a long time ago with surprisingly a group of girls and we all enjoyed it and I just realized that I haven't heard about it much and it doesn't seem to be a film that's often spoken about and I think actually when you look at it it's a film that should gain more recognition um, for many reasons. Yeah I think that it's um, watching this for the first time as I was yeah, tonight I think that um, twenty eighteen is a really interesting time to see this for the first time. It feels kind of timely. Yeah, definitely. At the moment, it's kind of very relevant for many things, and yeah, like I said, it just seems to have slipped under the radar. And I think quite a few people seem to know about it, but it just is not one of those you know really well mentioned films like a lot of the other kind of maybe revenge movies or feminist type movies it is kind of also quite trashy at the same time. So I thought it would be the perfect choice. Yeah, I think it balances those elements pretty interestingly. Before we kick off, um, I don't know if you've listened before so much, but uh, we do make everyone do one thing right at the start of these. Andy's going to put 30 seconds on the clock. Uh, I'm going to count you in, and uh, we're going to give you 30 seconds to give your best attempt at a 30-second synopsis of Teeth. Okay. I'm ready. <laughs> right. Um, free piece of advice before we start. 30 seconds disappears really quickly. 
Yeah, I know it. that. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay, you're good to go? Yeah. Right, three, two, one, go. A virgin gal discovers that she has teeth in her vagina and she goes on a rampage of eating hideous men's penises in order to get revenge on all those that have tried to rape her and abuse her. Well, yeah, uh, <laughs> that'll do. Uh, 15 seconds left there, Mitch. Yeah. Top, top three? Yeah, straight into the top three. Just like that? Yep. Very strong. Very strong. Pretty, yeah, pretty simple. I'm quite impressed with that one. <laughs> yeah. You could have, I, I actually thought you could have cut it earlier than that. You could have cut it off after uh, Ghetto grows teeth or gets teeth in a vagina. And <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's four seconds. <laughs> <laughs> so I think we should just, uh, I think we should fire straight into this. Well, I think we must. And um, the pre credits here is one of the more interesting pre credit sequences I've seen in a while. Right. I like this a lot. I think it sets the tone of the film really well. Okay. Um, I, think it's re- I think it's really interesting. Um, it kind of gives you a lot of exposition very quickly in terms of the kind of family arrangement and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think just in terms of kind of setting a kind of ominous tone, but a, but obviously kind of like kind of pushing the black humor right to the forefront as well. I think it sets out the story really nicely. Yeah, it really does actually. Um, and it's also kind of it's a good point of interest because obviously you're kind of intrigued as to what's happening. And like you said, it's got a lot of that dark humor in mm. the first in the in the pre-credits scene, and also obviously it's sets us up for a lot of the things that are to come in the film and kind of the the culmination of everything that happens and and where where we end up in the film um and it it is very dark as well very very dark yeah. Mitch, when we were actually watching it, you said you thought this pre-credit sequence would actually function quite well as like a little micro shot in its own right yeah i kind of thought that what do you think yeah i think it would you know yeah, I think it's like I think that it's just like implicit enough to work. I think it, it works as a microcosm of the whole film really nicely. Yeah. One of the film's more uh, subdued moments in terms of what it's willing to show you. Yeah, it's not. Um, I mean, it's dark in in the sense that you know it kind of broaches the topic lightly, but it's not quite as dark or graphic as what we go on to see in the film. No, no, no. I guess no. it couldn't really be given that it's uh, children. Yeah. 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 I'm, and I'm glad that it's not as graphic purely because they are children. Yeah, otherwise, it would, yeah, otherwise we're verging on, you know, Serbian film type thing, <laughs> yeah. which is not funny. No humour there. No. Uh, no. 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 Uh, <laughs> I mean, I guess, there's, I guess there's, yeah. depending on your personality, there's humour to be found in, in most things. So, so yeah, you, um, so you establish pretty quickly that what you've got here is um, a couple with a child each from previous marriages. Yeah, yeah, the dad played by Lenny Von Dolan from Twin Peaks. Yeah, and um, uh, so we've got the, and their two kids are kind of, I say playing together in the pool, it's pretty hostile. <laughs> yeah, I, but I think that even from a, from a small, uh, from a young age, Brad is a bit of an asshole. Yes, a big asshole. I mean, you know, he's all already sexually abusing her when they're like, I don't know, maybe four or something. Yeah, and that you pretty much cut to the heart of it because that's basically what happens here. And um, we just get this kind of close up of his kind of like slightly mangled, bitten finger. Huh. <laughs> yes, <laughs> which, which I, like yep. I, say, I think that's great. Yep. I think it's, it's it's really good. It's perfect. It's very subtle, but it. Like you said, it sets the tone. 
Yeah, definitely. It kind of like it's without without kind of like being a jaw dropping moment. It's a little bit of a oh, fucking hell moment, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, uh, strange the credits. Strange credits. The credits to me don't really make sense. It's kind of cells floating around. Uh, presumably some kind of mutation. Put me more in mind of a perennial favourite of mine, Mitch, as you know, Outbreak. <laughs> stop fucking talking about Outbreak. I'm never going to stop talking about Outbreak. Um, but, uh, yeah, it seemed more Outbreaky. Oh, you thought, yeah, you thought kind of yeah. said, and make more of a mutation thing. Yeah, they don't make much sense to me. But um, I think, oh, yeah, I, think I would have heard seeing, um, like, Piranhas. Yeah. Or something like that. Just, just loads of things with like just loads of photos of things with big fucking teeth. <laughs> Gary <Cool>. Busey. <laughs> uh, obviously, kind of straight out the back of this, we get the first kind of proper int- uh, introduction to our main character, Dawn. Yes, yeah, uh-huh. played here by Jess Wexler. Yeah, aye. Not to be confused with uh, previous guest uh, and director of The Ranger, Jen Wexler. Yeah, because I've made that mistake a couple of times already. Yeah, I've said it repeatedly tonight. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so we get Dawn and um, she's given a speech about abstinence to some kids. At this point, kind of with a surface knowledge of what this film was about, setting this up as a theme was really interesting to me. Yes. But yeah, she's, uh, she's preaching abstinence at her school, A school. A school, certainly. A yeah, school. Yeah. All this stuff about promise rings and reminding you to kind of keep your ring wrapped until marriage <laughs> uh, basically um, this whole thing to me I've always found a bit weird and a wee bit creepy obviously I'm all for people not doing anything sexually before they feel ready to do it but it always kind of comes with this weird, I don't know, this, there's this real religious backbone to it I was going to say, unsettling. yeah like kind of culty almost yeah, yeah, it it does come around very culty, and and the speech she gives at the beginning is I find it very strange, but there's she says one thing that is very funny, and I can't quite remember exactly what it is, but she was saying something about it being you know kind of wrapped around your finger, which then yeah. connects back to the pre credits again, uh, which I thought was quite clever. Mm-hmm. But yeah, those those abstinence groups. I mean, before I watched this film, I didn't even realise that that was a real thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying that I'm like, oh, you know, you, you hit puberty and that's all you do. But, you know, I didn't think people would actually make a make a group in order to say, oh, we're not going to do this and, and get T-shirts made and get rings made. And, <laughs> she, she's wearing a T-shirt that says, I'm waiting on it, and it's got, like, some wedding rings on it. <laughs> <laughs> so like, every song and every scene she's wearing something that is uh, completely pro-abstinence um, remember the Jonas Brothers when they came out they were really pro-abstinence were they? yeah like super yeah. super pro-abstinence uh, in the same kind of creepy religious way I've forgotten that uh, and now they make music videos I saw one the other day in the gym where it's just kind of like topless women running along the beach so <laughs> I don't think they stuck that one out. I was going to say, so that's obviously worked out just fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, also, uh, one of my favourite podcasts, The Dollop, going away back to episode two of The Dollop, I think they did an episode on purity balls. What are purity balls, please? Purity balls are these things, I don't know if it's exclusively America, but um, parents, uh, I think it's mostly dads and their daughters go to these balls um, which are these kind of weird abstinence that. balls. Uh, so if you want to learn a bit more about the purity balls, you could check out episode two of the uh, doll. That's bizarre. I think that the entire like central 
uh, kind of message of this is distilled down with one line that she says that I wrote down, which is uh, they're talking about the purity rings, and she basically says that you wear that until you trade it in for the other ring. Right. So it's obviously the kind of waiting for marriage thing. Also, it then goes on to uh, get right down into the semantics of what abstinence is. Talks about uh, no master, uh, very anti-masturbation as well. <laughs> which, um, with an- another another cracker, which is um, uh, that there are no loopholes with the promise. <laughs> <So> <laughs> there's no like wanking technicalities of any kind. Just nothing. Is it like that? Uh, you, what is it they say when you're when you're doing a pee and you're having to shake it off? Was it two more than two shakes is a wank or something like that? I think it's more than three. Well, all right, okay. Yeah, but I think that's right. Phew? Yeah. To be a bit more lenient. It's <laughs> <laughs> um, weird that a ring would be the 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 thing that they would kind of bond them together. That would be this kind of symbol of the promise. When really every time you put your ring into a fi- or your finger into a ring, it's a wee bit dirty. They're just—it's like a challenge. It's like a social challenge. <laughs> like, don't think about it. Um, at this point, Don meets Toby. Yeah. Who I think, like, right out of the gate, is crazy intense and comes across really, really weird. Oh, he's got creep vibes so much. Oh like, yeah. He's the kind of guy that I would avoid. When walking down the road, like hundred <laughs> percent, totally. Like, I, yeah, the, the creep vibes he gives off are like coming out to shake your hand. Like, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. He's got that Jonas Brothers thing going. <laughs> <laughs> you can see I'm setting the tone here. I was gonna say, yeah, this is this is this is the one where we finally get sued, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> We're not giving a fuck. They're away bagging everyone now. One of them just married Priyanka Chopra. Ah, yeah, they're having a grand old time. Uh, so she heads home. Uh, the parents are obviously well into the abstinence stuff as well. They're kind of like very proud of her for kind of uh, pushing this message, kind of thing, right? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think they're more just supportive of her. Yeah, I and mean, that's that's yeah. possibly true, actually. Yeah, they're necessarily proud of her being abstinent. I mean, they probably do like it, though. You know, as a, <laughs> my dad was always like, "Don't go near boys. Don't have sex. Don't do any of that." And then he was like, but I know that's exactly what you're going to go and do. So I'm sure he would have enjoyed if I, I joined an abstinence group. Yeah, uh, that's, that's a good point, actually, yeah. And in fairness to the parents, just doors away in this house, they've got Brad, the brother, who just seems to be fucking all the time. It's all he does. With the door open. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so like, um, the, I mean, we touched on it a little bit when we were talking about the pre-credits, but every time you see Brad in this film... They just beats you to death with the fact that he's an asshole. Yeah, he's he's honestly like despicable. Oh, even looking at him makes me feel dirty and uncomfortable. He's he's the worst. Um, Brad's the worst. He's irredeemable. Yeah, I think that, like there's not. I can't. I can't think of a single time that you see him do anything in the film that kind of paints him as anything other than not one dimensionally, but uniformly a bad guy. <laughs> Plus he's tattooed and stuff, and he's got the worst fake tattoos I've maybe ever seen in a film. What do we think of Brad, per, like performance-wise? Like- I actually think his performance, certainly towards the end, like, particularly in the final scene, I, I actually think he's quite good. I agree. I think actually, because when I was rewatching it today, I, I thought that his performance, other than the performance by Jess Wexler, is probably one of the best in the film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, he he's very convincing as an arsehole. Very. Convincing. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the kind of the abstinence thing and the abstinence in the schools and that agenda mm-hmm. being pushed in schools is followed to a really weird conclusion. Uh, kind of after this, 
It's a strange one, I think, because when you see her first get to school, she's obviously like actively bullied for being such an advocate of this. Mm-hmm. But it's the, the sex ed class that I think it's absolutely... Like, it's really funny, but it's totally bizarre. And it makes me wonder, because obviously we're talking about the fact that it seems like this the abstinence thing in schools seems to be way more prevalent in America than here. Oh, very much so. But yeah. whether that in real life extends to there being like a giant circular kind of like jagged sticker over medical diagrams of vaginas <laughs> in textbooks, I don't know. I love that it was a decision taken by the school board to cover up. Dicks are fine, you can look at cocks all day, but uh, you absolutely cannot look at a vulva. <laughs> Well, you know, they're, they're scary things. <laughs> kind of like uh, face huggers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or predator. Yep, yep, yep. The predator's mouth. Yep, got you. And it does. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> it's um, worth noting as well at this point in the film, she's wearing a t shirt that says, Love is worth waiting for, uh, while a song with those lyrics plays over the top of her. I, I love the fact that her entire wardrobe is kind of abstinence slogans. Oh yeah, you know it's yeah. it's like it's not enough that she's just a vocal advocate of it. It has to be like daubed all over her for the entire. Like I think that also you get this kind of sequence here. You get it kind of seeds that Toby's going to be coming at the fray a little more because uh, she tries to explain why the uh, vulva diagram has been covered up and the penis one isn't. Right, and she says that it's because uh, girls having natural modesty. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, and kind of gets laughed out of the room, and Toby kind of sticks up with her, and again we get a kind of lingering shot on Toby looking vaguely creepy. God, they're also fucking lame, aren't they? <laughs> like, they are quite lame. Oh man, um, no more so than in the next scene when you see her like censoring their cinema trip. <laughs> yeah, because it's a what is it PG thirteen? That's right. So they'll be what? What do they? I think they call it like serious Out. petting. <laughs> I think that's right, yeah. It's just something you did with cats, but... (laughs) (laughs) But I think it's funny that, like, from... You immediately, like, so you see them, they've obviously gone to watch, like, a cartoon or something, and everyone's having a horrible time. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Excuse me. They seem to be relatively enjoying it. Yeah, they look fucking miserable. (laughs) But I think it's funny at this point that they basically head straight for what would, in, like, an 80s film, be, like, make-out point. Yes, yeah, yeah. The one place they're not supposed to go. Yeah, exactly. And again, they're not supposed. It's not they're not supposed to go there. They're just weird and don't want it. Yeah. By the way, I'm not. Uh, I know I've already been quite harsh on people uh, who, are, who are preaching this, mm-hmm. but um, it just it was so alien to me when I was that age. There was absolutely there was one thing on my mind constantly, and nothing was going to stop me in my <laughs> endeavours to to achieve it. Yeah, I can't I can't wrap my head around it. That was the only thing on my mind as well. Even as a as a female, like what the same. But I think as well, like, you know, in the UK, we, as you said earlier, we don't really have those kind of groups. So it wasn't, it wasn't like censored or it wasn't, you know, you can't go and do it. It was almost, it was kind of fine. Just no one really (laughs) spoke, you know, adults didn't say go and have sex, but they didn't say don't go and have sex. Yeah. And I think that it's generally healthier to be like, if you're gonna do it, then you may as well know about it. Yeah. And kind of like actually going out like to kind of try and give you the kind of tools you need to actually make good well make decisions for yourself and know what you're doing. Yeah. Which I think is way more valuable. There seems to be such a kind of shame culture around it when it comes to abstinence, and I don't think uh, bringing people up to feel that sex is a shameful thing is uh, is necessarily smart. No, I think it's probably more damaging. Yeah, 
far more damaging. Absolutely. One one thing I think that the film gets right quite a lot is um this kind of balancing of because obviously like absence is something that's obviously been kind of like involuntarily thrust upon some of these characters. And I think because that, they're ugly. No. <laughs> 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 no well no no right, okay. um in that kind of like it was obviously an idea that was kind of foisted on them before they were old enough to kind of really have an opinion of their own right okay cool um and i think that that being played off at odds with kind of uh the conflict of kind of like sexually sexual awakening at that age and stuff like that i think that the film plays off the kind of difficulties with that really well pretty much the whole way through oh, of course they're they're fighting against their own desires uh, a oh, lot geez. you know you can even tell it when when dawn is with with toby she's she's struggling she's struggling a lot and also she's kind of you know punishing herself for feeling that way um when actually it's nothing to you know she has no reason to punish herself it's completely normal but she's trying to make herself feel as if she's doing something wrong by having a, a very natural desire. Mm-hmm. And she's quite willing to explore these desires to a certain point until she realises that, uh, oh, fuck, I shouldn't be doing this. And she keeps pulling herself away from, like you say, what is a perfectly natural thing, to borrow from American Pie. <laughs> <laughs> Straight off the back of that, you kind of get this, um, you get a post-coital Brad well, yeah, we do get a post-coital Brad. Now, we learned something quite interesting about Brad here. Because he got his finger nipped when he was doing something he shouldn't be doing when he was a little boy, he now has an aversion to vaginas and uh, is just all about fucking up the bum. Well, I mean, if you got bitten by one, I think you would have a, a deep-rooted fear of vaginas with teeth. So I think he's got a fair fair point for avoiding them you can say that about anything if a dog bit me i would certainly treat them with more caution well they put they put dogs down that bite so <laughs> oh, <laughs> um i want to talk about i of the films that we've done on this podcast i didn't think that i would ever see a worse foreplay sequence than the animal cracker sequence in armageddon but uh teeth manages it with uh brad and melanie and the dog biscuit i find that entirely uncomfortable viewing oh it's actually one of the most uncomfortable out of all the scenes that's in this film they're uncomfortable (laughs) this one is probably one of the worst is it's just horrible (laughs) horrible i i um i i completely agree i think that Considering this is a film where eviscerated penises hit the deck at a rate that I would characterise as almost constant, this is still like in the top three most uncomfortable moments of the film. I think it's I think it's because it's more psychological than the others. The others are, you know, they're slightly more in your face. Yeah, but so this one's a bit more. You know, this one actually shows is where I think a lot of the the feminism and misogyny kind of comes into play because you you realize you know that most of the men especially brad brad is treating you know the women in the film like they're they're dogs and and play things for their amusement and i think it's actually that scene is so uncomfortable because it's the one scene that kind of defines that really well yeah Yeah. and it's completely uh, non-consensual as well she is having none of this (sighs) No, she's really, she's really fucking miserable. But why does she keep going back? I mean, she never leaves. 
Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it just stays there. That Prince Albert. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Jesus, that's a nice thing. It's like, yeah, God, their relationship is absolute poison, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, really is. Yeah, I hadn't really, like, <laughs> really considered it until we got into there. But like, um, off the back of this, and I quite like the fact that it cuts between something that's so kind of like so kind of explicit and so kind of vulgar and so overt, and then you kind of you double straight back to uh, Don and Toby who are having this extremely uptight conversation. Uh, one of my favorite lines in the film, I. Can't figure out if it's intentionally played for laughs or not. I'm going to assume that it is. But basically, you know, when they're um, having this conversation and Toby touches on the fact that he's kind of like addled with guilt about what seems like it was like maybe like a one-off masturbation experience. Yeah, I thought it was a wanking thing. Yeah. And uh, so he's kind of like, this is almost like a kind of big shameful confession that he makes to Dawn. And she says that uh, his resolve might be stronger now because she's you've seen the dangers firsthand. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't pick up on on the pun there, but I like it. <laughs> Terry, after that first after that first wink, it's all you can think about. It's like it's like taking crack or something, and then before you know it, you're away and you you've got the lube out and you've got one finger up your bum with your other hand, and it's just <laughs> you're, you're just taking it to the the next level. Two, you're doing two hands. Also, all sorts of exotic manoeuvres. You're crafting things. You're a vivid storyteller, Andy Stewart. Um, uh, speaking of masturbation, uh, Don Mol- <laughs> Don Is that the first time I've ever said that in this podcast? I think it might be. I don't think <laughs> Speaking of masturbation, uh, Don mulls it over. Uh, she's considering it in well, the next She gets scene. pretty close. Yeah. Um, and this is another, kind of really, uh, another really good one, I think, in terms of like the urges and her kind of like inner conflict with that kind of stuff. I think it's done pretty well here. Again, in a way that is like so over the top that it's funny in a way that I think is intentional. Like when it cuts to Toby in his kind of like wedding tux. <laughs> There's a bit that I really like when she's kind of fantasizing about Toby with his clothes off. Um, and she seems to fantasize this really super muscular torso. And then when we see Toby with his shot off later, he's kind of this little scrawny guy and she says something along the lines of, like, that's exactly how I imagined it would be. But it, it's like, <laughs> you know how in the Naked Gun, when Leslie Nielsen takes his shot off and he's this big fucking bodybuilder all oily? It's kind of like that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right about here, by the way, 24 minutes, you get some dongs. Oh, is, this, is, this the fir- is this the first penis of the, of the first of many? Well, aye, aye. Uh, these, uh, these ones are still attached. Okay. Um, and we're in the showers and Dawn is phoning um, Toby to tell him that uh, she doesn't think it's a good idea for them to see each other anymore because the temptation's too great. I, th- I think this is quite sad. <laughs> like, you know, obviously like, obviously, we find out we find out fairly rapidly after this that Toby's a, like, a pretty bad guy. Yeah. But at this point, I think that in terms of what we were talking about earlier, Zuri, about the kind of like her kind of self-censoring because she like for reasons that she can't really quantify, she thinks it's wrong. I think that this is kind of like a like a pretty extreme example of that. Oh, it's very extreme, you know. And you you've just gone from the scene where you said like you know she's she's thinking about uh, she's well she goes to masturbate over him and she's even thinking about him in his wedding suit, which is hundred percent not anything <laughs> you could ever masturbate to. Like that's not a sexy scene whatsoever. <laughs> And then she calls him and she, you know, as you said, she's trying to decline the urges that she she knows she had. And it is actually sad. And we can see her, you know, fighting against herself once again. Um, And Toby is, I mean, he's he's a pretty, a pretty boy for a girl of that age. So it would be, 
I mean, I've been a teenage girl. That would be like heartbreaking. It would be kind of the end of the world to tell Toby that the temptation is too strong. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think it's, I think it's a really, it's a really good character moment. I think, I think I, I liked it. But um, she goes for um, not necessarily where I would go for mature sexual discourse. She goes to talk to Brad about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, not. It doesn't seem like the wisest choice of um, people to console in and get advice from. Uh, you know, not even, not even in the house. I don't think he's the topic. No. No. But then again, Brad does know a lot about sex, seeing as it's all he does. <laughs> yeah. so, he never seems to... Does he leave his room at any point? No. Oh, no, he does. He leaves his room and he punches Ryan on the doorstep. Um, <laughs> but I don't think he ever leaves the house. But uh, she basically says she doesn't like the way their relationship's shaken out, doesn't understand it, wants things to change. And he, um, as the support of Big Brother he is, suggests that they just bone down and fuck. That's the best suggestion to offer your stepsister. <laughs> I like that he says something like, come on, like, you know this was going to happen. You think I like living with these assholes? And she's like, what, mum and dad? <laughs> <laughs> um, this, is a, this, again, was a surprise for on first watch when this element got introduced. I was like, oh, fuck, we're going here. What that he wants to he, yeah. he wants to fuck her yeah right I was like fuck, like this that was probably what kind of like what you're talking about kind of the darker moments in the film not always being the most violent like when this happened I was like Jesus okay like thematically super dark yeah very dark and I think you know because obviously it, the teeth as a film stands out mainly because it's like oh you know uh, penises get chopped off with uh, get half eaten and spat out by a vagina etc etc but. It's those moments that actually are the worst. They're they're far more intense than any of the others. I mean, maybe from a man's point of view, it's different watching the the nice graphic scenes. But <laughs> I would actually argue that um, the dicks getting chopped off and the, the funny stuff that happens with dicks in this film are the kind of those moments that let you breathe at the end of a really uncomfortable thing. They're like the release. They're the bits that you'd let your kids watch, but not the other parts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, is that how you would self-censor this one for your kids? Like, you'd leave in all the eviscerated penises, but take out all the awkward character stuff? All the weird yeah. incesty stuff, and yeah. Uh, Just a, a great show reel I put together for my people. <laughs> <laughs> Just the, the best of cut-off cocks 2018. <laughs> Don and Toby, uh, obviously, this kind of like staying away from each other because the urge is too strong. Thing, it's not going to work. It's never going to work. So um, they're back together again. They, <laughs> they meet in the woods, go swimming in a creek. Lake, she calls him, and he comes zooming up comically fast in his car. Like he's there in like thirty seconds, <laughs> and it's like you know, like the footage is like sped up, so it looks like he's zooming in like something out of Benny Hill film. <laughs> it's so true. He's like right there. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they um. So like I said, they kind of go swimming in the kind of lake slash creek, whatever it is, from before. After spending a long time admiring each other's kind of swimsuits and the, I guess that just their form. I think that this is interesting. Obviously, this this builds up to what I think is genuinely potentially the most unpleasant scene in the film, or certainly it's one certainly of up them. there. But um, I think that the kind of the really awkward exchange that they have, like in that video you're talking about, is like extremely difficult to watch in terms of being kind of cringy. But it's also pretty believable, I think. I would agree. Yeah. What I do think is funny um, is when uh, they kiss in the water, and the first reaction is just, "This does not feel wrong at all," which is <laughs> a total backhanded compliment. Exactly. It shouldn't. No. Exactly. 
So yeah, things kind of take a little bit of a sour turn here, and I think that this <laughs> yeah, is yeah, this, do, this is this is pitched really well, and I think this builds in a way that's really really well done, and it really got under my skin. Yeah, it's like you said, it's probably the the most harrowing part of the film in terms of what happens, but they they showed it that you know they it's very it's very believable, and it's very it's quite. <laughs> difficult to sit through but I guess you know what's good about it is the satisfaction of the revenge although you know inadvertently because she she doesn't quite know that it's going to happen it does yeah it does make her happy at the end um I think that one of the reasons why this this works and why this sequence is effective is that it's like from pretty early on in that sequence I think that you kind of like he kind of grabs her mm. And you can, like, from there, you can see that, like, she's kind of uncomfortable from the off yeah. there. And it builds, obviously, until um, he starts raping her. Yeah, I, I think the more, the longer it goes on, the, the more it starts to dawn on you that his intention has been this from... The beginning. From the beginning. And this has just been a really slow, sneaky build-up to finally doing this. And uh, he gets his... What, what he perceives to be his opportunity when he tries at first tries to rape her and yeah. um, she bangs her head on the floor and kind of knocks herself out briefly and he takes that as his opening to then go the whole way and it's pretty fucking horrible. Well and I think as well in this scene is that she she almost you know obviously she's she's young she's naive in a sense that she she doesn't know that that's Toby's intentions and obviously we begin to understand that is but she almost tries to give him something you know like a kiss yeah. lets him see her in her bathing suit so I think you know, he... tries to give him a little bit and then it's like he just takes everything and and you know goes down the most awful path that he could yeah, and it completely destroying any faith in anybody that she had. I mean, she basically yeah. putting all her trust in this guy and believing him to be a nice guy, and this is this is what he does. Yeah, um, exactly. Um, I think with scenes like this, you have to watch yourself with these. I think, and that there's a lot of things about these that filmmakers, even now, I think, tend to get wrong. Uh -huh. And I think that teeth handles this sequence and everything about it in a way that I think I think it gets it very right. Mm -hmm. Um, for a whole load of reasons, for like it's absolutely, like, it's absolutely horrific. It's totally desexualized. Well, let me tell you, as a filmmaker, I would really worry about doing a scene like this for that very reason. I would, I would be like, right, I know I have to get into a scene here which is very sexually violent, and then I need to get into a scene which is very graphically violent aftermath, and is also weirdly a kind of punchline to what's happened before. I would find it really difficult to juggle the tone, and I think most filmmakers, I think, would really struggle to juggle tone. Yeah, it's um I think like you said, the the shift between and you know, it happens in a, a very small space of time as well. The shift that happens can be difficult and also um a good point as well that you made was um about the obviously desexualization of it because Obviously, I watch a lot of these extreme films and yeah. rely heavily on sexual violence a, a lot. You know, it's very, very prolific within it, which often can be quite difficult to watch, but it often feels sexual and that some people, you know, it's made actually to get people off on it. Whereas, as you, like you mentioned, this scene, it doesn't feel like that at all. There's nothing, 
even remotely sexy about the scene, which is, you know, that's what makes it done so well. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, of course, the, yeah, like you said, the punchline that you're talking about here is that um, Toby's penis gets bitten off at the end of at the end of the scene, which is kind of like, and that sequence and that visual, <laughs> it did did like it did tightly one eighties out of it, and that is played for laughs and it lands and it totally doesn't undercut the seriousness of what's just happened because it's the perfect and that one two kind of punch. He gets his comeuppance immediately. You're yeah. not, you you don't have to work for his comeuppance as the viewer. I mean, it's exactly what you would want to happen. It's almost, you know, immediate, well, it is immediate castration for trying to force yourself on someone. It's it's, it's great. I love it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it is great. It always comes with a lovely crunch and sound effect as well. It's like, crunch, goodbye, Toby's Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> I think what another another thing that I think that it gets right after this, because he kind of obviously, he takes off running, and but it, you get this kind of, and it's over a period of a couple of scenes. Where, can I just quickly say something yes. else that it gets right? I think is see showing you his flaccid, gross, gelatinous little dick line on the cave floor. Yeah, I feel like that's a great visual, just in so much as pff, there you go. There's that that fucking horrible thing. It's just like a little piece of yeah. roast meat, just a little bit like just, nah. <laughs> just a little weird bit of gristle. Yeah, one thing that I think I think the aftermath of this is dealt with really well as well because it totally makes it about her experience and her trauma because you get this kind of long like thing of her in the cave yeah. just kind of freaking out and then obviously you see her coming home and being kind of distant from her parents and this kind of thing. I think that like the film shows you quite quickly but in a way it's really effective loads of like some good insights into how the experience has like traumatised her instantly. I mean, she's not only just been you know, nearly raped by someone that had vowed to abstinence alongside her, but she's yeah. also fa- just found out that she has teeth in her vagina. Well, she's not even quite sure, but teeth in her vagina that have, you know, ripped off uh, the boy she likes, Dick. <laughs> I mean, that's, it's, it's traumatic in more than one way. Yeah, when you put it like that, it is a lot to take in. <laughs> Yeah, you know, <laughs> when when I was a teenage girl, for me, it was like, you know, I couldn't go see my favorite band and I was pretty much traumatized for months on end about it. So I think she took it fairly well. Yeah. Everything. Straight off the back of this, she's giving another purity talk. Well, it's not good as well as the first one. No. <laughs> not quite. Kind of hard to deliver that stuff with much conviction. Um given what's just gone before. Did anyone else think that this sequence played out like a nightmare? I think it is, isn't it? Is it a nightmare sequence? I think it is. I don't think she's like properly doing this. No, I, it feels like it could be, because as well, they, they're doing the the speech back to her, Yeah. and it seems that that wouldn't really be happening. Yeah, they're kind of chanting at her. Um, yeah, they're like chanting at her, which almost seemed more like a, like you said, like a nightmare, torment, being tormented... You know, going back to the the bullying that happened before. No, I, I, again, I think it's like it's, it's it's a really good scene. But I remember when it happened, I was like, I kind of figured it was a nightmare, and I, but I, I was looking for like an exit point from that, and I couldn't see one. Right, and that's okay. why, and that's what, kind of why I was curious what everybody else thought. Pretty quick after this, Dawn makes a decision that um, having a purity ring, she can't really have one in good faith anymore. So she chucks it off a cliff, and then takes the decision to, I guess, kind of melt off the gold sticker from her biology book and get a right good look at that hidden vulva 
<laughs> one can't but one can't help but think that there was an easier way for her to do that. Well, and I did think that that potentially the paper would just kind of disintegrate. Like, yeah, um, I actually was wondering whether it's possible to do something like that, but I don't have any pictures of vulvas covered up, so. <laughs> Mine are, all, mine are all showing. I like to see them at all times. <laughs> so, are, so they are. <laughs> see, when she's trying to do a little bit of research into mm-hmm. what's going on, you get something, and I love I love looking at that, like, seeing what this is in every film. Similarly, I think that I love it in films when you get a teenage character that's supposed to be alternative and they go to the room and I always look to see which band poster's on the wall to make sure that you know that they're alternative. Um <laughs> Uh, with this the other thing that I like is shit fake search engines when you can't get the rights to use Google (laughs) and in this case uh, she uses web search (laughs) it's like it's it's, it's a very functional title (laughs) zing yeah you get kind of like you get a kind of cliff notes thing of the main mythology of this yeah yeah Uh, vagina, vagina dentata yes I once tried to call a band Vagina Dentata in the video game Rock Band, um, and I received a message from Microsoft uh, before I was able to submit it, informing me that that was not appropriate and wouldn't be allowed on the server. Oh, that's just cruel. I think that seems like, that seems like unnecessary censorship to me. Also, after you saw it written down, I couldn't stop uh, hearing it to the tune of Hakuna Matata. <laughs> <laughs> and now everyone else will too. You're welcome. <laughs> know what I'm going to be singing at work tomorrow. <laughs> Girls would love it. Yeah, it's like, um, I'm like, yeah, I'm definitely going to, there's going to be like an HR inquiry if somebody catches me like kind of singing that under my breath at the tea point tomorrow. <laughs> but then you can tell them all about the, the very real mythology around it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, which, which, which will definitely make me sound way less weird. Now, uh, Zoe, have you done much research into the mythology of Vagina Dentata? Would you care to shed any light on that for the listeners? Um, well, it's the the history of having uh, teeth that grow in your vagina, and the only way to conquer said teeth is with a hero uh, that can stop them from coming out. And the mythology goes back many, many years but I would just recommend looking into it yourself because you really need to see it to believe it. <laughs> I'll be straight on the web search when I go home. Yeah. Um, Love's true kiss. The, the, way it's, it. the way it's framed is that it's kind of like um, a manifestation of male insecurity. It is, that absolutely yeah. is. Yeah, like most things. She had, We have um, a gynecologist appointment here that I think is another really strange scene. Yeah, yeah. I don't have much frame of reference for uh, visiting the gynecologist. but I... I mean, they're not. I mean, when I've been to visit one and it was a woman, they're not very gentle. Okay. Uh, okay, okay. Yeah, they they like to do what they have to do. And so it's, it's not the, the funnest of experiences, but it definitely was not like this. <laughs> well, that was going to be my next question. I'm sorry if that was if it was going to be an invasive question, but it was going to be, I mean, is this common practice? Because we see him lubing up his hand and putting it into that, you know, you kind of put all your fingertips together into that very clear kind of fisting motion. Um, they, tend, they tend not to fist you. Right. Um, but I can, I can definitely ask a few more of my gal friends and, and double check whether I just haven't got the full experience yet <laughs> uh, yeah i it, it seemed excessive to me i don't know i didn't see the, the, the kind of medical 
justification for a fist in. Um, I like the foreshadowing of when he tries to reassure her by saying, I'm not going to bite. Ah. Yeah, that was perfect. Um, by the way, he's great. Um, Josh Pace, he was in Scream 3, um, which isn't great, but he was also the voice of Raphael in the 1998 Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles film. Oh. Fine, I'm glad someone finally answered that question. Um, I, think, I actually think he's good in this as well. But yeah, like the the examination that follows is really uncomfortable viewing. But yes, a finger bite follows. This a is a pretty severe one. Yeah, this is played for laughs, and for me, it really lands. Particularly when so he kind of collapses on the ground, screaming vagina dentata over and over. There's no, uh, I guess, the Hippocratic oath that's gone out the window, and there's no kind of doctor-patient confidentiality because he's really screaming that. Well, um, I guess it's kind of plays into the fact that the. The mythology is obviously like a, a very real thing for the gynecologist to to know what it is. But yeah, patient confidentiality. I think that went out the window when he when he fisted her. Uh, and, <laughs> no, I think that's uh, overstepping his his duty as a doctor a bit. Yeah. So, uh, I concur. So yeah. I'm I'm guessing he was using her. Uh, I guess her relative kind of an experience for him to get as jollies. Yeah, must be. Yeah, I like I was yeah I was gonna get into that because I thought that that was it's it, it's kind of implied. There's definitely like a kind of there's a really creepy vibe to that entire. Again, there's kind of really creepy build up to what is a very funny punchline. <laughs> yeah, I think the only character in this film who isn't in the least bit creepy uh, that has a penis and that gets to keep his penis is Lenny Von Dolan's character as the dad, which He's... I'm really happy about. Yeah. Because... One, I obviously it's never nice, but I really hate it when they go down like the the dad daughter weird gross incest route. Yeah. That's never never cool. But also, it's quite nice because you know throughout the whole film, you despise nearly every male that's in it because they're all fucking assholes. Yeah. But the dad is the only one that actually you know, and she's she's not even his real daughter. And yeah, that's right, he's, yeah. <laughs> You know, he still is quite protective of her. Is is acts completely normal, and I think it's I think it's a really good point of reference to have a male character in her life who isn't like all the others, because otherwise it comes across as a it could be too much of like a man hating film, and and it doesn't feel like that. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. agree. I think also if you hadn't had his character be that way, I think if you'd played him off like more like the other male characters in the film, I think it would have just it would have pulled the film into unbelievably bleak territory if they'd done that. Yeah, yeah. It, it would have been too much. Like it just would have been far too much. Yeah, I agree, and I think it probably like it would probably because I think that the the film deals in really dark stuff, but I think that none of it. It does a good job of that not taking the shine off the funny moments and the funny moments not taking the shine off the drama and the darker stuff. And I think that it would be in danger of upsetting that balance as well. Yeah, of course. So so, uh, speaking of fucking assholes. Favourite topic. Yeah, speaking of fucking assholes and uh, unbelievably bleak stuff, we cut back to find Don's mum. Uh, who we've learned over the course of the film is really ill, lying on the floor while Brad fucks Melanie up the bum um, in the background, which is pretty horrific. It's it's actually very sad. I mean, there's no wonder that Dawn hates his guts. I mean, he just has no regard for anything other than having sex in the bum. It's basically, oh, and his dog. He quite seems to like his dog. 
but yeah. his dog is called Mother. Yeah. Which is, which is, it just, it's, you know, it goes to show as well kind of what he thinks of, of women that he would name his dog Mother. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, we kind of, I think we, obviously you kind of get um, a little bit of an impression from the scene as we find it when she comes home and the mum's collapse, you kind of, you get the impression that it's part of the reason is because of kind of neglect by Brad. Oh, very, very like, much so. But that, but that kind of, obviously, that, that comes out way more later. But in the meantime, uh, we get a, re- I don't think we introduced him at the time, but we get um, a reintroduction to the character of Ryan. Who, yeah. <laughs> I think the first twice he came on screen, you thought it was the same guy that was Toby, um, which is kind of understandable, or kind of interchangeable. Yeah. Well, they look kind of similar in a in a way um i like I, th- I think that w- you're probably both giving me a little bit too much credit and i'm just not observant <laughs> <laughs> you had that confused look on when you're like wait what uh, that's uh, the same problem with literally any time that an actor whose work i enjoy appears in a film and he has a mustache and doesn't ordinarily have a mustache <laughs> i look at him and it's like who the fuck is that guy <laughs> But yeah, so Ryan, uh, we met we met him earlier, kind of like um, after the uh, rape scene. True. The yeah. kind of the f- the first kind of interaction that we see Don having with a guy after that is uh, Ryan, who comes off as like a, a an okay guy at yeah, this point. He, he was one of the group of uh, was he not one of the the abstinence crew? Well, actually, because um, he's in the beginning in the part where she's getting bullied, and his friend tries to they're they're talking about. Trying to trying to sleep with her or something like that, uh, and then yeah. he pushes him into him. So actually, very early on, we are kind of like introduced to the fact that he could be a douchebag, and then you kind of forget because obviously there's so much happens. Yeah, uh, and then he comes back around, and and he you you're right, Andy he is he is at the abstinence group, like the you know like the party they have. Huh. Yeah. That strange party, which was a very strange scene. Yeah, that was. Yeah, but yeah, you're right. That's kind of like um, when we see him like having a, a proper interaction with her. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> and yeah, the, and this and the second thing was when he got punched in the face. Yeah, by Brad. By Brad, um, which we did touch on. But, but yeah, she turns to him for support. I think um, she like she admits to killing Toby. Uh, admits she has vagina dentata and she kind of turns to Ryan as the hero who's going to beat these teeth. Um, great work from Jen. Uh, fuck, I did it again. Jess Wexler here. Yeah, when she when she turns up and kind of uh, and is kind of hysterically explaining the situation to him, I think it's one of the better performance moments in the whole film. Yeah, she comes across as very believable and very distraught about what's happening. And quite quickly the hints start getting dropped of exactly how big a douchebag Ryan is because even though she's in this fragile state he thinks it's appropriate to bedeck his entire bedroom in candles and burst out the fizz. Yeah and she even says when she comes out she kind of implies that she's you know she's not really in the right frame of mind to be getting it on after what she's just gone through yet he still tries yeah. yeah well cut to almost immediately cut to him fondling her boobs and using a wee finger clit tickler thing on ha- having sedated her as well oh yeah he drugs yeah. her yeah he does doesn't he he gives her and he even says she might feel a bit like woozy or something mm-hmm. that was the, the, that was kind of like red flag central at that yeah. point but um the director uh mitchell lichtenstein he has said i just i was doing a little bit of reading about this today and um, apparently he's said publicly on a few times since, in the years since the film came out, that uh, this sequence or certain elements of it he believes are a mistake 
or thinks that he thinks in the fullness of time he thinks it's been a little bit of a misjudgment. Right. Uh, I'm guessing it's the clip tickler stuff. Uh, yeah, when she kind of wakes up and he's kind of doing that to her. Yeah. I think that and and it's kind of it's not framed as being kind of particularly strange in the first instance. Not at all. And I think and uh, not at all. In fact, she seems quite into it at that point. And I think in, in 2018, I think again, seeing it for the first time in 2018, I think that that did kind of stick out as being kind of a sore thumb moment, and it was kind of interesting to see that he's kind of acknowledged that too. I guess maybe he didn't think to because you know she's obviously under the the pretense of the the sedative. And I guess maybe he didn't think about how she would really not be enjoying it and would be kind of, you know, almost not not there in a sense. And mm-hmm. I think, but I think, yeah, it, it comes across as a bit kind of not not quite right or suitable. And obviously, like you said, in, in the recent times, it's a bit like, oh, you know, she's taking this sedative, she doesn't want it, but then she looks like she's enjoying it and it... It makes that kind of cross lines a bit a bit uncomfortable. Yeah, I, I think that is true. Coming off this, I think it's really weird. It's a real really weird filmmaking decision, really weird editing decision that right in the middle of this stuff we cut to Toby's autopsy. Oh, Toby's autopsy. No. Is it his Yeah, it is his autopsy. Yeah, he's like he's like lying on a gurney and they're monitoring this tooth. <laughs> and and the the doctors are, are laughing. And saying that they don't think there's uh, much worth in. Is it this scene? Oh, no. Yes. No, 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 that's. <laughs> Am I in the. I'm in the oh, no, no, that's, in the that's, other that's, one. that's later on with Ryan, um, which, uh, yeah, you're quite right um, in the scene uh, coming up shortly. But there's a bit where they're, they're kind of just looking at this tooth and they're going, oh, I think it might be from an eel or a lamprey or perhaps it's a shark. And they're like, no, it's definitely a human tooth. And then it cuts back to them still riding each other and I'm like that's a very weird very yeah, weird cut it's very abrupt it's like a cop talking to a doctor very weird also I found it was I found it quite strange that they were um, human teeth yeah you presume that they're going to be like you know kind of like sharp sharky kind of teeth well no this was very much a sharp yeah but but they identify it as being human teeth they well I think that. they identify yeah. it as being human and tissue composition yeah yeah, but no, that I, I, I thought that too. That was, uh, yeah, that was that was really strange. What's weirder? What would be weirder to you, Mitch? Right, if you <laughs> if you had a look in a lady, right, and she had a set of shark. <laughs> no, no, no. Okay, listen. go on. Right, so here's your options, right? right? She's got a set of shark teeth. Right, right. With the with the the rose behind. Okay. So she can discard teeth as they get damaged, right? Sure. Or a big weird set of human teeth. I mean, I would say like, that- ga- like look at like Gary Busey's teeth. I would say something making fun of Gary Busey's teeth. Um, I, I would say that neither would be ideal. No, but what? No, that's not what I asked you. <laughs> yeah, I'm really not sure. I, I, I don't have an answer for that. I think I would be more weirded out by human teeth, like a set of human teeth, like dentures. Well, it's kind of like those, you know, where they um Photoshop human teeth into onto shark mouths. <laughs> yes, it's exactly <laughs> like that. <laughs> And it's kind of humorous, but also even more terrifying than a normal shark. <laughs> I think that's. I think that would be what it is. And then you know, how do you feel if they've got like really nice teeth? They might have great teeth. Imagine it had smile. better. Te- imagine looking in and it had better teeth than you. 
<laughs> that would be that would be upsetting. Or if my my vagina dentata teeth were better than my normal teeth. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> That would be a cruel joke. Yeah. <laughs> and I wonder if you'd have to have braces, if you could have braces on them down there. Jesus oh, there's so many questions. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah. like, would, like, would you, would you get them checked out by a regular dentist? Yeah, which one would you go to? I, well, I wouldn't go to the gynecologist, that's for sure. Well, not specifically that guy, no. <laughs> I think you'd have to get a, a special, kind of speciality of its own. Really, would you floss? Oh, oh Christ! Angles are difficult, probably. <laughs> yeah, just the sheer geometry of that. <laughs> <laughs> well then, digging deeper than I thought we would. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, we find that <laughs> Ryan. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's a decent sized tangent on upkeep. Yeah, we. Uh, uh, we find out that Ryan is, in fact, an absolute asshole. Yes. Um, while in the in the midst of riding, his phone goes and he answers, which is a bit rude in and of itself. But then we find out that he has uh, this whole thing has been orchestrated as a bet to see if he could, in fact, fuck her. Which is just cruel, very, very cruel. Yeah, yeah. I think it, I think given everything in particular that you've kind of seen her go through up to this point, I think again, this is like it's a it's a really kind of it's a sad moment. Yeah. More than anything, mm-hmm. I think. But it's, just, it's kind of at this point we start to kind of see it hardening in her. Yeah, you start to, well, for sure, that one definitely is happening. Um, <laughs> so to speak. <laughs> but yeah, she seems to, it's like she kind of starts to realise the power that she harnesses and that yeah. actually she she can do something immediately about the wrong that's been done to her. See, yeah. when you're, when, like, yeah, you kind of, I agree. I think you're getting to a point where you she is realizing that this can be used as kind of like a, a revenge tool kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, she's got a power. At what point do you, th- do you think that this is the point where she realizes that she can, cont- like, that she has an, an element of control over this? <laughs> do you know what? Because <laughs> off, immediately after she does it, she kind of acts shocked, but it comes across as almost like a fake shock, in my opinion. Okay that she is still in the midst of learning to control it, but aware that when these things happen, she knows what's happening and isn't against it happening, if that makes sense. I noticed when you posted this on Instagram, Zoe, um, somebody commented on it and said that it plays out like a superhero origin story. And when you say it like that, I think it's actually, it's actually, uh, it's a really good way of framing it. Yeah, I saw that. I thought that was, and I don't really like superhero movies, so I'm kind of like, well, this is maybe the superhero movie I was always waiting for. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's the really strange one that got left out of the Avengers film. Yeah, I'm not sure why she was never, you know, fighting alongside them all. I do need to talk a little bit, though. I mean, I... I found it hard to kind of separate. Was this an accidental thing, or was it something that she was able to do herself on command, like by squeezing her Kegel muscles? It, it's never really clear. And the fact that the only point, like up to this point, it seems very much like it's a, a reaction to like an invasion, if you like. Yeah, it feels almost like reflexive. Yeah. And then I guess it's only next time when you see her like uh, with Brad later, it seems very much controlled. like it's controlled, like a very measured, controlled squeeze. Oh yeah, by that point, she she knows exactly what she's doing. Yeah, yeah. but uh, that's Those that's are... that's why I think the superhero things are good way of looking at because it, it totally feels like it's like harnessing a power. Yeah. yeah. Her uh, using those Kegel balls, Kegel balls all chewed up like a dog's <laughs> tennis ball. <laughs> 
uh, one of my favourite bits after uh, so after she snips Ryan is that he kind of vainly, limply tries to reattach his, his dick end, which has still got a condom on it. The, this visual is what is potentially, in terms of the graphic stuff, one of the worst ones. <laughs> yeah. yeah, this part yeah. is exceptionally graphic, but I'm really glad that they didn't hold back and, and not show it. Oh, fuck no, I, yeah. Like, it would not be the same, you know, and I think a lot of movies would actually refrain from... You know, quite a few movies refrain from showing close-ups of, of penises or, or vaginas. And although in this film, you know, actually a good point is you, you never see a, a vagina close-up at all. Yeah, uh, yeah, not at all. But you see, yeah, I, I do like tra- seeing him try to desperately reattach his <laughs> penis. Yeah, um, it's we're kind of pulling towards the end of this now. Pretty much, and, yeah. and it, this is around about this time we do get the scene of the doctors mocking Ryan's little dick. Yeah. Oh yes, my favourite scene now. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm absolutely sure happens the minute you're under sedation and they're anywhere near your willy. I guarantee they have a look and a laugh. Oh, they must. I mean, they must do it to every part of you. Yeah. Laughing at the 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 parts that make you feel self-conscious. They laugh. They probably <laughs> pictures. They probably have a great, great bank of dick pics that they can send. <laughs> We've just got like a WhatsApp group, and they're like, "Look what I saw today." Yeah, it's a ketchup bottle up <laughs> an ass. That's like a total. That's like a, the total reimagining of the entire notion of dick pics, where it's like if someone's like, "Yeah, no, it's just a weird looking one." Yeah, it's like from work. You know, yeah, they always say things like, "Ah, uh, yeah, you can't really tell the kind of cases that you've had come in." See if I had somebody coming in and their dick had been chopped off or I've had someone in and they put their dick in a hoover, I would tell everybody. Oh, they they do tell. I have a friend and he, he worked as a nurse in A&E and he, he spent many drunk nights telling us lots of stories he definitely shouldn't have told us. <laughs> <laughs> they tell everyone. Oh, I, I, I couldn't help myself. As we're kind of pulling towards the kind of final, I don't want to say standoff, but the kind of end of this... We get a decent amount of family stuff that I think kind of exists basically to kind of reaffirm in your head that Brad was mostly responsible for what happened to uh, Dawn's mother. Yeah, because Dawn's mother dies at this point. Yes. Yes, she does. I think that scene with Dawn and her mum in the hospital bed is just heartbreaking. Uh, it's very, very upsetting, actually. It's, you need it because it's, you know, it's a tale about Dawn and everything that's happened to her and you... You do need to see her go through that to understand why she she wants to get the revenge that she does on Brad. And it's uh, Melanie that divulges the information about the fact that Brad, they could hear the mum screaming before she collapsed. And I think she actually, you know, because it, it comes across as she's like inadvertently saying it. Um, but I think she definitely knows what she's, what she's saying because... But she clearly does not like Brad either. I mean, she can't. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, I think that like just before this, when you see that kind of like that kind of standoff between Brad and his dad and his dad, yeah, um, you, you see there because I mean, I think that you're kind of they're dialing Brad's asshole quotient up to eleven again. Oh, hugely. But I think that at that point, that's the first real proper kind of thing you get of like Melanie's kind of contempt for him. So I think that yeah. you're right, Zoe. I think that like it's treated or it she frames it like it's a kind of throwaway comment but she totally understands the uh kind of the consequences of what she's saying yeah because she like you said she's kind of you know 
she is blaming Brad for the mum's death. And, and it is it is his fault. He could have done something, but no. What was he doing? He was in his room fucking, as always. Inevitably. <laughs> that guy, that fucking guy. But yeah, um, it's at this point, I guess, that Dawn decides um, she's going to use her newfound weapon in a way that she knows will definitely be successful because all he's ever wanted to do is... is to have sex with her. So she knows it's the one thing that she can do that he will absolutely go for. Well, and, but he is a bit apprehensive at first. Well, I mean, I, as we know, um, and as you maybe rightly pointed out, with due concern, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, but, yeah famously yeah. vagina-averse. Well, he does try to flip her over and go for his uh, preferred entrance, but uh, yeah. he's pretty roundly pushed away from that particular orifice. Um, I want to say, actually, that pretty much everything about this scene plays out Perfectly. Yeah. I think both performances are brilliant in it as well. Yeah. Both of them are very, very convincing in this scene. And I think, I, I agree. I think it's perfect. Like, it really is. The, and actually, it's the scene that kind of stuck in my head because, I mean, it, Teeth is not a film that easily leaves your mind. <laughs> <Okay>. um, <laughs> But, you know that when I saw it, it was I would have seen it when it came out, which is over ten years ago. Yeah. And I, I specifically remember that scene. And you know, after you watch, I'm sure it's the same with you guys. After you watch so many films, you do forget a lot of the details. But I always, always remembered that one scene. Mm-hmm. Um. See, before you rewatched it today, uh, when was the last time you'd seen it? Do you think? It would have been when it came out. Just the was, one time? Yeah, yeah, just once. And I would have been... When it came out, I would have been 15 or right, 16. Okay. So, yeah, so I think that's why I was saying that I think actually for me it was quite a prominent film when I watched it because I was literally around about, you know, the age of, of boys and sex and then I saw this and I was like, whoa, I was like, this is, you know, it was frightening in some ways because I was like, oh, <laughs> I hope that doesn't happen. In other, <laughs> in other ways, I would have been, you know, I don't know what I would have done. But in other ways, it was also quite kind of empowering, yeah. you know, to yeah. see that and, and know that obviously I didn't have vagina dentata and if something awful like that were to happen unfortunately i wouldn't be able to uh use use my teeth for revenge but (laughs) it's a great kind of like empowerment part and that last bit where she gets revenge and you know when he pulls her lip down and looks at her teeth and he realizes that face you know the face he has of realization is it's so satisfactory yeah i'm just yeah. like yeah she's gonna bite your dick off let's do this <laughs> I, really, I really love the lot there's a really long moment between the two of them round about the point with the lip and you're just waiting for that crunch that snap <laughs> uh, and you know it's coming and he knows it's coming and when it does it's just the most satisfying fucking thing it's so good it's so good <laughs> i can't decide if it's the most satisfying thing in the scene or if uh the dog eating uh, his discarded dick afterwards is <laughs> <He's... laughs> see when, it, when he's scrabbling around trying to look for his knob and it, she just drops it out of herself oh that's my god just, that's just the fucking best <laughs> it's, pretty, it's pretty gruesome it's got a Prince Albert <laughs> piercing in it which I think by the way if you're getting involved in risky anal play 
is a pretty dangerous person to have. Very prone to infection. Yeah, you're yeah. dicing with death in, in many ways there. That's a minefield. I feel like Brad is not the kind of guy that's scared of an infection, though. No, no. I'd imagine, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, he's probably, looks looks, like he's he look, does look like he stinks. Yeah, he does look like he smells and doesn't wash. This, yeah, so that, I think that this is kind of, it's a great, it's a great revenge piece. It's a, The scene plays out, like I say, absolutely pitch perfectly, I think. Also, the sign-off scene you get is brilliant. Oh, uh, yeah, they'd be the creepiest fucking old guy you've ever seen in your life. Oh, with his... <laughs> but he doesn't have any dialogue. He delivers all this just this really creepy shit, but like without saying a word. Oh, I've met a few creepy men like that before in my time, and I do wish I would have had teeth in my vagina to treat them to something that they've not been in for before. Yeah, but the the sign up is the sign up is great. Yeah, that's that's the moment where she truly becomes superhero. She does. That's that's the her. You know she fully understands at that point her power and she's she's ready to use it on right, anyone right. and everyone that treats her like shit. Do you care to speculate on what your superhero name would be, Zoe? Hmm. Oh, that's a tough one. It's maybe putting people on the spot a bit, but... Yeah, I would say. It's tricky. <laughs> More than this. This is harder than the 30 seconds and obsess. <laughs> oh, yeah. This one's, this one's very hard. Very hard. You can come back to us on that, Zoe. We'll put it. All right. We'll wrap this one up. But that's pretty much the end of teeth. Yeah. Mitch. Fuck. Yeah. First watch again. Surprise, surprise. Yeah. I. Uh, I like say. I mean, I. I took to this pretty much straight away. Like I could tell from pretty early on that I was gonna like it. I think that we've we've touched on a lot of the things that I think it does really well. I think performance-wise, there's not really a weak link in the chain, but I think that um, Jess Wexler and uh, I don't know his name, but the guy that plays Brad, yeah, I think both um, particularly good. Um, it handle it juggles tone unbelievably well. Yeah, I think, I think so. Like it 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 kind of toggles between kind of drama, kind of really upsetting stuff, really difficult to watch stuff, and things that are genuinely really funny, kind of with a like, really really impressive deftness. It's got a kind of feminist through line to it that I think it took a long time for that to become more common in horror. Yeah, yeah. I think it was well ahead of the curve in quite a lot of ways. I was, I thought, I think it's a really good selection. I liked it a lot. Yeah, it's definitely like you said. It's definitely, it was definitely ahead of uh, its time, and I, I think it's far more intelligent and well made than it ever gets recognised for. And I think as well that from a from a female perspective, for me, it's kind of one of the best rape revenge movies out there because it's not I mean it is dark and it is nasty but it also has the humor so that you have like you said those moments of breathing and going okay you know if you think of some of the other rape revenge films they they don't let you breathe and it's not until you finish it that you go wow that was heavy Mm -hmm. as fuck so I think more people need to see it for sure and I think it needs to almost have like a a revival of people talking about it which i'm sure it will now that we've indulged yeah i think the time is absolutely now for this film again i think it's a film that's kind of got lost in the the tide over the years mm-hmm. um and just kind of swept aside but i think it's got some cool stuff to say and i think it is a very um kind of female empowering film a couple of little quibbles and things that i don't think have aged particularly well in the intervening 10 years surrounding the same kind of gender politics and stuff like that, I think it's pretty important. Nothing really has changed, and that's the sad part about the whole thing. Yeah, it's, um, I mean, it's very topical, 
in today's times and I think it really does play on that but you know it also does have the humor which is good definitely and um one thing I was looking at today when I was just kind of doing a little bit of reading before we came in to watch it and before we came up to do this but um this film seems like um to actually get it made and kind of get get read by anybody and stuff like that was just this kind of constant running battle because obviously as it was and to a large extent still is it's a it's a male dominated industry mm-hmm. or it's certainly like it's predominantly male in kind of those kind of positions of authority and people were just looking at it and just thinking it didn't look sellable and yeah. it didn't look bankable and um yeah i think that because of that and i think because of the kind of change in where we are in that discussion now I think that I agree that I think that if ever there's a time to go back to teeth, it's now. And I think also that it's potentially maybe suffered from the fact that if you tell people what it's about, I think that a certain kind of moviegoer will kind of assume that it is kind of trashier than it is. Yeah, no, it's a pretty nicely made little film. It's a very kind of, it's got that kind of small towny Juno-y feel. Yeah. If you get what I kind of mean by that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it re- really has. Like, like you said, the. I mean, I have I have told people the synopsis before, and I mentioned to uh, a couple of people today from work who they don't like horror movies, but I told them, you know, what the film was about, and they were like, "Oh wow, that sounds like the worst movie ever." And I was like, "It's actually not." Yeah. You know, if you take a take the time to watch it, as you said, it's it's got a it's it's a very well made film mm-hmm. and it's you know it plays out very very well it's very much the story of a young girl finding her sexuality and having trust that she's putting people kind of thrown back in her face it just also happens to contain some very funny dick stuff <laughs> <laughs> Zoe before we finish up is there anything that you've got going on just now anything you're working on that you want to take a minute to talk about so you did mention that um, I'm a podcaster so I've been podcasting uh, with a few different people at the moment and I've got a couple to record after yourself but I will publicise those on Twitter when they come around. As for my own podcast, I'm still working on it. I've had some technical issues in a sense that I'm just not very technically (laughs) adapt. So I have someone now helping me because... um, they also know that it took me three days to set up a new iPhone. So <laughs> the kind of challenges I face in my day-to-day life. But it is coming. Uh, but it's going to be more about January time. I've recorded some episodes. So that is actually happening for cool. real. Um, and then other than that, this week I have uh, a review of actually another very underrated film which not many people know about at all um an extreme film called uh Sorgoi Krakow uh my European dream oh, yeah. uh, which is probably one of the best indie extreme films that I've ever seen so make sure you check out that review which is going to be up online tomorrow cool. um and then also next week I'm releasing a article about rape revenge films which was actually why I had the <laughs> idea to speak about teeth right. um, and then over at that moment in I've got a couple of pieces up recent pieces about um controversial films and then a couple of reviews including one um about a film called Elves which was probably the worst movie I've ever seen. Oh wow, that sounds um, that sounds wonderful. <laughs> um, 
Uh, Zoe, you mentioned there uh, you're gonna mention uh, you're gonna plug some stuff on Twitter uh, as and when it comes out. Where can people keep up with you on social media? On social media, they can find me always on Twitter. Um, usually tweeting drunk. Uh, that's Zobo with shotgun because I couldn't put the A because Twitter doesn't like me to have my full name. Um, and I'm also over on Instagram, not so drunk on there, Zobo with a shotgun and also the same name on Facebook. I just don't have a shotgun yet, but let's <laughs> pretend I do. One last thing. I think I th- thought of a name, the superhero name. Yes, go on. I'm thinking Nunny Sabretooth. <laughs> Amazing. That's what I'm thinking. Strong. Right, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Zoe, thanks for doing this with us. All the best. Thank you, Zoe. Thank you for having me. So kind of inevitably one of the more R-rated episodes there. Yep, yep. It's about now my mum can come back on it. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, big thank you to uh, Zoe Rosebeth for taking time to uh, chat to us about Teeth. Yeah, yes, definitely. Tonight, uh, yeah. I love that film. Thought you would. Yeah, yeah no, I was, yeah. I, was, I was very taken with it. But we're done for another one. God, I know. We're just setting them up and knocking them down now. Yeah, 31 yeah. in. Yeah, yep. Uh, so thanks a lot, as always, for joining us. Don't forget that currently we are looking for your suggestions for a little idea that we've got for just towards the end of the year. Ah, yes! choice it is indeed the listener's choice so basically in case uh you've missed this so far what we've been trying to do is get some suggestions from you the listeners about a film for us to talk about with a returning guest very soon indeed so we've got the guests figured out they're ready to go all we need is a film so the suggestions that we've been getting so far have been great amazing yeah so so (laughs) good i think we're going i mean we're going to do a draw ultimately so it's going to be kind of left to the fates but uh, I've certainly got some that I'm particularly keen to do. Yeah. We're taking these exclusively by email um, just because we're kind of encouraging you to send us some kind of longer thoughts um, on why. So it's stronglanguageviolentscenes at gmail.com. But yeah, tell us which film you think needs Defended and why. And you never know. It could be the one that we end up talking about in a couple of weeks' time. Yeah, I think also the reason we're asking for emails is that we're in danger of getting our email account shut down for underuse. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yes, our feedback sections are normally pretty big, but there are no emails. <laughs> it's fucking barren in there, man. And no, one, and no one ever gets in touch with us for business purposes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> However, we will be back on Monday with another mini-sode, mini-sode 31. Yes. Uh, where we'll be doing all the usual stuff. We'll, we'll be talking about what we've been viewing this week, taking a look at my progress, my slow, slow progress. Holy shit, man. It is, it is slow. It is pl- applauding pace. <laughs> we'll be getting into your feedback, and of course, we will have another round of Mitch's Pitches. Yes, and we will also be announcing the guest and film for next week and it's a good one yeah it's going to be a lot of fun yeah yeah definitely if you want to get in touch with us ahead of that you can do facebook and instagram we are strong language violent scenes you can tweet us at strong violent pc or email strong language violent scenes at gmail.com and let me ask you this listeners where are you listening yeah where are you listening doesn't really matter there's hundreds of places we're just about everywhere but wherever you are listening just give us a wee like or a share or whatever the hell you do and as always, big thanks to Podbean for hosting us as well. Yes, yeah. But we'll be back on Monday, 8am GMT. Join us then if you can. In the meantime, don't forget, it is better to die a hero than live as food in a world of chuds. Goodbye.
You've been listening to Strong Language and Violent Scenes with Andy Stewart and Mitch Bain. Strong Language and Violent Scenes theme by Mitch Bain. Production and artwork by Andy Stewart. Find us on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts and Podbean. <laughs>